So to live in wonder, I believe that this is what God wants to do. He wants to fill us with His Spirit this morning. And I, and I don't believe it's for one, one or two people. I think it's for many of us. So I think we're going to make space. At the end of this, I'm going to read through a small portion of Scripture now. And I feel like that what the Lord wants to do is for some of us to fill us with His Holy Spirit and with the power of His Spirit, maybe for the very first time. That some of us have had questions, what is this baptism of the Holy Spirit all about? Maybe you've been through the baptism of water, but you've been holding off on this because you're not sure intellectually. I really feel like God's saying, take the intellect away. My first disciples didn't have much of that, by the way. They were fishermen, and they were filled with me, and I made them fishers of men. No questions asked. They went, at the moment they met him, were filled with his presence. They were off doing what he asked them to do. And I feel like God has that for you as fishermen and fisherwomen today. The nets are being readied, but he wants to fill you with his spirit. Now, you can only do that if you've given your heart to Jesus. If you've made him Lord, and you've surrendered your heart to him, and you've given him full trust of your life. Jesus, my life is yours. If that's you, and I believe he's going to fill you with his spirit this morning. And for some, it may be a prodigal situation where you've been away from him, and you've been away from his presence, and you've wondered. Not wondered, but you've wandered from his presence. You haven't felt his presence. You, you don't know his indwelling presence anymore as a, as, a, as a lifestyle. He wants to fill you as well today. Okay, so I'm going I'm to say that now because I believe that he's going to do that. And we're going to pray over you. We're going to lay hands. We're going to trust with you to see that happen. Okay. But here's why. Uh, 1 John, Shell's going to follow with me. In 1 John chapter 4. Now remember John, the apostle. He's writing this book as a very old man. He lived longer, I think, than all the disciples, if not the longest living disciple. So you can imagine the grandpa speaking about something that was really important to him in this book, in this letter. And he spoke mostly about love. It was as if the one thing he needed us to get was love. God's love for us. So chapter 4 and verse 7. Ah, oh, thank you. You guys can follow Dear friends, let us love one another. I'm going to read through the whole thing. For love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. And this is how God showed his love amongst us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And going on, verse 12. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. We know that we live in him and he in us because he's given us of his spirit. And we've seen and testified that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the son of God, God lives in him. And he in God. And so we know and rely on the love of God, of the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God, and God lives in him. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. Because in this world we're like him. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. And if anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. 
For anyone who does not love his brother, whom he's seen, cannot love God, whom he's not seen. And verse 21, and he's given us this command. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. Now there is a lifestyle for us to model in those scriptures. It deals with our salvation, our security. It deals with how God sees us, but also how he sees us living out this love relationship to one another, but then also to those out there. And he also gives us warnings in this passage about what would slow down our progress if we don't love one another. We're not going to move forward in him until we deal with these things. So I wanted to start with something in the very beginning, verse 7. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. So loving one another is the evidence that he is alive in us, that we're filled with his spirit and that we know him. When we go out and we meet people and we talk about God's love, most of the time, People want some sort of evidence that he's alive. Now we can, we're going to see evidence on Friday night. We're going to see God move powerfully, powerfully through a gift that's with us and among us. But the evidence that we mostly get to show to the world is our love for one another. And what does our love look like? Does it look like we're part of the church that is a sort of family? Or is there a love amongst us that shows that we are genuine family? And when people on the outside, even our blood family who might not know him, look in, they go, there's something here that we, we don't even have because we, we've got brokenness in our blood family. But when I see you and your church family, there's this evidence. That I, I see a love for one another that has to come from God. Uh, people don't even need to read the scripture. They should read it off of us. And because they see it in us, when we do show them that this is God's word, they go, oh, but I've already seen that. And it's beautiful. And there's an evidence that flows. And this is, what we want, this is what we want strangers to experience and to see and to taste. The word came this morning, taste and see that the Lord is good. You know the first way that people are going to taste and see that he's good is when they meet Tony. And they will. Because he's so full of God's love. Or when they spend time with Nicole and see her generosity and her care and her love, they're going to go, Okay. Something different. God's love in people. Verse 8 is very direct. John's loving, but he's also direct. He calls things very black and white. He says, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. So if you're having a problem loving, <laughs> go to God and sort out whatever needs sorting out. Because it's not that Taryn's got a lot of love and I'm just not such a loving type and therefore if he can do the loving I, I don't have to I'll just do the tea and be very practical you got, if you're going to do tea you actually need to love way better than anyone because if you put too many sugars and someone's got a problem and kicks back you're going to love them anyway <laughs> so love matters for all of us I know of a, of, a, of a church leader I won't mention his name he was once with us and Josh Chen and he was one of the most loving men I'd ever come across and uh, he got up once and shared about the fact that he couldn't love people. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. When was that? What? Since he got saved, while he was serving God and leading God's people, he struggled to love people. And it's like, I just want to know, like, what, so what happened? What did you do? He said, I went to God and I prayed. I said, you have to help me, Lord. You have to give me a love for people. And boy, did God do that. 
because it, it had to be a miracle because of the type of man he was and his wife and family. I was like, I cannot believe that, Lord. So ask God if you struggle to love. And, and, it's a, and brothers and sisters can be different to you. And th- this passage is talking about we, can, we have to love all our brothers and sisters, no matter how different we are. <laughs> look, how, look what God says about what he did in verse 9. He showed his love amongst us. How? He sent his one and only son to die. Sent him to our world, limited his, um, his personality, limited, limited who he was in a physical body like you and I to show his love for us. And I'm going to jump through to verse 12 and just hover on verse 12 for a little bit. Which says, no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. And I highlight the but if of verse 12, because there's a condition here. God has actually got a lot of, he's quite a conditional father. <laughs> you know, this thing like the unconditional love of God. Well, it's unconditional when it loved you and I into the kingdom because we couldn't do anything about it. But once we know him and we serve him, there's actually a lot of but ifs and a lot of conditions and a lot of you get this if you do that. And most of the time, if you do that is calling us into obedience. If you're obedient with these things, you'll see me in that way. That's actually our New Testament. It's like the core of our New Testament everywhere. But the but if you if we love one another, so if we get this thing right amongst ourselves, this love, look what happens his love gets made complete in us. And guess what? People see God in us. No one has ever seen God. But the promise is that people will see him. They will see him. How? In us. If we get it right. <laughs> if we get it right, our love with one, to one, towards one another. This is why we take building his church so seriously. This is why we go around the world equipping churches all the time. Every week of the year, there's teams from within our churches in Josh Chen and 412, which is the global field of churches and partners that we're with. This is why so much of our focus is on equipping the saints, training the leaders, raising up new leaders. It's actually not to, to be great in ministry or to be super skilled in the things. There is the skill side that God wants to skill, upskill us. But he's always after our hearts. I mean, how many of our... Con- conferences. I, want to don't, I don't want to call them conferences. I want to call them uh, times of encountering Jesus. Because <laughs> conferences just don't do the justice to when we get together. When we go to these times of encountering Jesus, what happens? We always come out and our hearts have been pummeled. It's like heart surgery. We've had open heart surgery again and again. Why? Because he's so interested in our hearts. It's all that matters. He wants them so right that there can never be anything but utter love between us. Because when we get that right, but if then people see God and the encounters begin to happen. Isn't it so beautiful? Probably our best source of evangelism must be this. Our best witness to the world must surely be this. That when people come in and see us living the way God's family should live and how we will look one day when we're made perfect in heaven... He has something of that picture for us now. Something of the perfection of family in heaven. We can live that out to a large degree in this life. 
and, 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 and this is the greatest witness. And this is my heart for evangelism and our heart, is that we will go out. I think Ryan shared it so beautifully last two weeks ago. We want to go out. We want to step out. We want to share our testimonies. As Tasman did, I heard you've got a great testimony. I can't wait to hear it. We can't wait to share it amongst ourselves. And that's one way to show the love of God to others. But how sad would it be if Tasman's testimony drew in three unbelievers here today and they didn't see God because we, 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 don't, we don't love the way he wants us to love. So I believe there is more for us. There's always more. We can be doing well and we can have people finding family amongst us and you go, thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. But we need to remain humble and go, we are so not there yet. We're so not there. But it's okay because we're in his grace and he's busy with us. And it's a beautiful, beautiful place to be, isn't it? And how does he do that? Well, he, he wants to fill us with the power of his spirit. And this is where I feel like he, he's going to get hold of us even this morning. I don't even know how to love. I don't even know where to start, Neil. I've got so much stuff you don't even know about. Well, that's okay. So did I. So do I. So do we. It's just that he's maybe busy with us a bit further down the line and I walk with him. He's also busy with all of us. But are you prepared to open up your entire heart and surrender everything and say, as frot am I, as I am. Can I use that word? No? It's all right. I have to check. My Afrikaans isn't so good. It's bio okay. <laughs> it's actually not bad when I talk to my kids because they, they can't correct me. It just sounds good to them. <laughs> Ruben said, what is that tongue the other day? I said, it was my Afrikaans. What? <laughs> the best I could do. I'm from Derbs, you know. <laughs> now I've got sidetracked. Taryn, help me. <laughs> the love of God. <laughs> yeah, I'll speak Afrikaans. But we're going we're gonna to make space for him to get into our hearts. You know what it takes? It takes boldness and courage to say, Lord, I need your, your spirit to take over fully. I, I need to give everything to you. Every little part of my life that I'm still holding on to and trying to do in my own strength, I'm giving to you this morning. It's a day of surrender. It's a day of taking the building block and making it all about Jesus and saying, I'm going to start again this morning. As we begin building his house in Seapoint together, if you consider this place your home, if you're looking in and visiting and you're going to make this your home, together we want to make the right building block, the right foundation right from the start. And it's this, that when, when anyone comes into our path, when anyone speaks to us, they go, they have not lost the wonder of who God is and what his salvation means to them. And you can see the love of God amongst them. They're filled with his spirit. And all that matters is God to them. And have you seen how they love one another? You know what's going to happen? Our nets are going to be full. It's going to be like that picture when they couldn't catch fish on the boat. And Jesus said, just cast the net on the other side. And what happened to that net? I mean, you can imagine the boat swinging over and water coming inside and the excitement and the splashes and just food for days. I really believe, and we believe, this is what God is saying to us. 
for Seapoint. The fish are coming. What are they going to see when they, when they get into the boat? <laughs> what are they going to see from the disciples? What are they going to see from the people of God, from Jesus' followers? He wants them to see the love that John is speaking about amongst us. And love that will overflow into the lives of strangers and the lost as well. That we would love broken people exactly how the Father in heaven would love them. Do you know that, what that's going to take? It's not going to take our strength, our skill, our intellect, any ability that we have, not good enough. Won't cut it. It's never cutting it in God's kingdom. It's only going to be a supernatural outflow of power from His Holy Spirit in us that is going to come anywhere remotely close to loving a stranger to a point where they will give their lives to Him and give their lives to His body like we did. Only His power. Do you want it? Do you recognize it? Do you recognize the great need for His power? Do you? How hungry are you for it? Come on, tell me. Let's hear. I'm hungry for it. I'm so hungry for more of his power. Are you guys? I, I, I can't anymore. It feels like what he's got is, is both extremely exciting, but should also make you petrified. Mark's been pretty petrified the last few weeks. I've loved it. He says, Neil, I'm really nervous. I said, what are you nervous about now, bro? Spiders or what? And he's right. He says, I'm nervous for what God is going to do. Because are we going to be ready? And it is a very, very good question. <laughs> we're never ready. But if we're full of the power of His Spirit, we're ready no matter what comes through our door. And no, more, no matter what happens in our lives, we are, we are never unstable. We are built on the rock. We've been given the prophetic picture of, from the guy in Musenberg. Remember the picture of the rock, the, the hand of God coming out of Signal Hill and the rock from the mountain falling onto Seapoint. And out of that rock was living greenery, bushes and lush. If we remain rooted in the rock, which is Jesus, if we have his power and his, uh, abiding in us by his spirit, the life is going to come. We don't have to fear anything. But if we are not positioned right in our hearts, we can't. Amen? All right. He's got that for us, guys. He's really got it for us. I want to jump to verse 16, 15 and 16. It's said to us, 15 and 16, if anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, then God lives in them and they live in God. I don't it's my notes, I just have the word security, that um, sometimes we just need to know our security in him and know where we stand in him. John makes it so simple in his old age and writing, but sometimes with the simplicity of it, you've got to read it over again and again. But just look at verse 15. If any one of us acknowledge that Jesus is the Son of God, then God, the Father, lives in you. <laughs> and you live in God. You ever wonder about your salvation, where you stand with God, how you're doing with God, what it's going to look like when he comes back? Just the simplicity. Do you acknowledge that Jesus is the Son of God? Yes or no? Simple question. Today you may acknowledge for the first time, or maybe you've wondered and you acknowledge that the Son of God is Jesus again. 
Your security in God comes at that moment. You have security. He lives in you. You live in Him. Maybe you need to consider that question this morning. Who do you say Jesus is? Maybe you need to ask that question again. And verse 16, and so we know and rely on the love that God has for us. He is love. And whoever lives in love lives in God and God in Him. So if you acknowledge that the Son of God is Jesus Himself, the next thing, if you live in love, guess what? God lives in you. You want an added security? You can ask yourself, who is Jesus to me and am I living in love? If you acknowledge that He is the Son of God and you remain in His love and you live in His love and you're growing in His love, you can have all the eternal security you ever need in two verses of the Bible. You will know Him because you have His love and you're living in it. Because you're living in His love, you, you know that He lives inside of you. Because the place that God wants to live is in a person who knows his love, and lives in his love, and brings others into that place. It's as simple as that. He's not looking for professional fishermen or fisherwomen. He's looking for disciples that stand and marvel at his awesomeness and see him, the wonder of his salvation and the wonder that the Father of heaven chose you and I. Can you believe it? When you think about who we are, He still chose us. It is a sign and a wonder. Maybe the greatest sign and wonder we'll ever see in our lives on this side of, of eternity. The greatest wonder, I think, is that He picked me. I think that's a sign. I know there might be people that we see raised from the dead, given their, 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 their strength back out of a wheelchair, and they suddenly walk. And that is the power of God. Magnificent. I want to see more of that. But the fact that He saved you and I, and put us into his son, Jesus Christ, made us one with the Father, the creator of the universe, and said, my love is now yours. Live in my love. Be mine forever. I want, I want to stand in awe and wonder. And every day be someone that people look at and go, he's not lost the wonder of his God. I can come and be in that family and follow. I actually want to taste and see that this God is real. When I meet these people, us, Amen? I'd love to read one portion of text and then finish off. It's actually a prophetic word that someone shared over Greenpoint uh, when we had many people coming at the end of last year. And it was pretty interesting. I, don't, I still don't know who it was, actually, because many were sent that day. But it said this to Greenpoint, to our congregation. As a church, many of you have gone through trials and challenges, and some of you are still going through much, wondering about the tests and the trials and when they will end. And you're looking to God, but there's also a tendency to put your hope in plans and not all your hope in God. Okay, then it went on to say, I felt that Psalm 46 is a reminder to fix your eyes onto Jesus and put your hope fully in Him. And then when I woke up at the time they gave the word, I was thinking about you guys, and I felt like God is doing something new. And something is coming, the future, which is tied to your destiny. And it is for many of us, but mostly for your congregation. And I felt like God was saying, I saved you for me and not for the, uh, my assignment. And so there are gifted people in this congregation 
I would agree. There are destinies, but God is reminding you and saying this. I didn't save you for your assignment, your destiny, or the great call, okay? So the question for you, and I pose this question to us. I haven't released this word, but God put it on my heart this week. So I'm releasing it now because I think it's right. <laughs> he asked the question of us, will you be okay? Us as a, as a people, but also you individually and me. Would we be okay if he changed the assignment or the destiny of your life? And it's hard sometimes because you can put your hope and make it your identity all about your own destiny. We can't do that. But that's not why he saved you. <laughs> he saved you for himself. And he said this, green point, well now C point. Jesus is saying to you this one thing. Remember me, I am your true love. Know me. We'll stop. I'm going to end it there. Can we stand together? I really, yeah, I felt that prophetic word was spot on for us. <laughs> so um, let's just close our eyes. Just let those words sink in for a moment or two. Thank you, Lord. You are amazing, Lord Jesus, that you saved us. You called us. You gave us promises. But so what if we never even walk in the things that you called us into? As long as we, we walk with you. And forever we can be those that never lose the wonder of who you are. The wonder of our salvation. The wonder of the fact that we are secured forever in your faith. The wonder of eternity to come. Perfection for us to come is on our doorstep, Lord. It's closer than we think. And it is an absolute wonder that we can live now with that security. So we thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord.